Welcome to the Didi and Latel Show. Advice, thoughts, and stories from a married couple on cybersecurity, technology, and life in general. Now here are your hosts, Didi and Latel. Hello and welcome to the Didi and Lital show. It's another week. Hello, Didi. How's it going? It's awesome. The Bruins are back on top. It's St. Patty's Day. Yeah, and, pa- and he made me wear green, even though it's like bluish green. I couldn't I find care. the real green it, shirt. It's the only, it's uh, the only uh, day of the year where I wear Celtics gear because they suck. But that's kind of my opinion. Anyways, you're not into basketball in general. I'm not That's into not basketball. And when you grow up in the Middle East, everybody grows up like Lakers fan. So you, you, I, I, I tone it down and wear my Celtics gear occasionally. <laughs> and that's it. Anyway, happy St. Patty's. Happy uh, St. Patty's. Today we have a very awesome guest, Sravish. Please introduce yourself. Welcome, Sravish. How are you doing? Thank you, Didi. Thank you, Latal. I'm Sravish. I'm the founder and CEO of TrustCloud, and I'm wearing green as well on my hand. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. The reason I wanted Sravish to come over is because he helped me twice now get our SOC 2, which is a pain. Pain. I think there is a competitor of your company that has awesome advertising thing. So uh, part of the reason I, I did ask Sravish to come along is because I love his advertising campaign. I love the way they do marketing. I love the CS motion. And also I love the product and how it really, really helped smaller companies like ourselves get into the SOC space Mm -hmm. a lot faster because it's easier to do SOC 2 when you start when you're small. When you have about three commits in your GitHub and you start your SOC 2, it's a lot easier than when you do SOC 2 when you have five years of work that now you need to backwash and whitewash. So and, maybe yeah. before we dive into that, for those of us that uh, are not as familiar, let's talk about what is SOC 2, why is it important, and then we'll get into your approach, how you're solving it. Uh, so what's SOC 2? Yeah, if we take a step back, I started TrustCloud with a simple premise. I think compliance sucks. And everybody that's doing a business-to-business company, B2B startup, you have to prove to larger companies that you have an efficient security program, an efficient privacy program, and you meet one or more certifications based on the business that you're selling to. So if you're selling to technology companies, you need something like SOC2. If you're selling to healthcare companies, you need HIPAA or HITRUST or the acronym soup in compliance just keeps going higher and higher. So that's part one. Part two is you have to answer security questionnaires. So even if you have compliance and if you have certifications, if you're in sales and marketing and customer success, every deal requires you to answer security questionnaires. And friends should not send friends security questionnaires. Yes. So you remember the purple shirt Omri wears with with somebody punching (laughs) somebody else in the face? So my my younger son wears that shirt, your shirt, all the time. Loves I it. I love it. He loves it. I, I need to send you a I picture of that. Cool. I want him to live in a world when he grows up and he's in business that security questionnaires do not exist anymore. That's the world I want to create. <laughs> it, it would have been so much nicer if like something just senses that you have it, checks it without the human being needs to go and do the questionnaire, right? Yeah, it, that's, it, it, that's where technology should be. It's a, it's a, even it, people totally need right. to get into the sense, the state of mind. So I love your recent campaign about the, the trust versus fear approach. 
Because the way a lot yep. of companies do it is they have their own program and they've built their own questionnaire. Now, nobody really invents the wheel. Everybody has yep. a variation of cake light, a variation of something. And they send you something that's based on existing standard. Sometimes it's a five-year-old standard because uh, we had to attest multiple times that we secure our firewalls, which we have none because we're a 100% yep. cloud-based <laughs> company, and attest that we have endpoint controls on endpoints we don't own, and, and we get rid of the media that AWS does. This is a little bit of the, the, the problems with these questionnaires is they're stuck with what legal approved five years ago <laughs> versus yep. the, hey, let me tell you what I do, and you check from yep. your side what you not want, and let's get to, right. and get to middle ground. So you can yeah. see I'm listening to your campaigns. <laughs> so. Totally right. Like, Didi, you're wearing a smartwatch. Lital, you're wearing a smartwatch. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Imagine if you went to your doctor and instead of clicking on a button in your smartwatch where your doctor could see your blood pressure and so on, you gave them your, your New Year's resolution for health and yep. you expected your doctor to make a diagnosis of your health based on your New Year's resolution. Yeah, exactly. That's the state of the art. That's the state of the art in this industry, right? You're giving your New Year's resolution. I want to sleep well. I'm going to eat salads every day. I'm going to exercise every day. And you're asking the doctor to make a prognosis based on that versus what is your temperature? What is your weight? What's your blood pressure? What's your blood test report say? So why don't we do that for security and privacy? Mm-hmm. Agree. Yeah, it's also the, the, the idea of can, continuous versus one point in time, right? Yes. Exactly right. Yeah, That's exactly right. That's when you move from compliance, which is a check the box activity that everybody hates, but everybody has to do, mm -hmm. to trust. Because now I can see data. I can see what you're doing well. I can see what you're not doing well. And we can have a conversation around it. So you're saying, I'll, I'll reiterate, that by moving to sure. a continuous monitoring versus a one point of time, you're moving from, okay, it's check the box, it's compliance to trust because there is visibility over time to what's going on? Is, is that what we are talking about? That's exactly right. Okay. If I went to a VP of marketing, and I'm saying VP of marketing, like specifically me. for you. <laughs> and, I, and I said, how many leads are we doing on a daily basis or a weekly basis or a monthly basis? You have a system of record that's tracking. Yep. Why aren't we doing the same thing for security and privacy? Mm, so yes. let me play devil's advocate. Sure. Um, not, it's really hard because I, I, first I love to argue and that's why I'm putting that point because I agree, that's great. <laughs> I, I agree with Travis completely, but here's, I'm, I'm thinking from, if I'm my old self in Cisco and I need to deal yeah. with, with a legal department that's bigger than half the startups in Boston combined, that, that's the size of, of their legal yeah. department, not to mention their legal budget. Yeah. And they're saying, if you don't check all these boxes, you will get fired. They don't care if those boxes yep. are real or meaningful. Yep. They say, you have to check all these boxes yep. because this is our CYA policy. How does continuous yep. verification deal with legal yep. departments, GRC it's departments? It's a great idea. Yeah. How does it deal with that? 
Yeah, I think you have to do the same thing that we've done for other areas that had the same problem, which is you need to create a service level objective for security and privacy. And we need to put in contracts that people are not going to be healthy 100% of the time. Yep. Mm. And there is a period of time in which certain security controls and certain privacy controls can fail. And that's okay. It's expected. But you have a period of time in which you have to remediate it. And as long as you're remediating it in that period of time, then you're meeting the contractual and regulatory commitments. But we that, haven't done that for security and privacy. That's the problem. Yeah, because like that means that the, whomever the regulatory body, the ones that dictate the, those compliance uh, frameworks needs to put those thresholds, uh, right? What is acceptable for how long, what's the level? Are the, so you, you move from a black and white, check the box or not, you're saying to a framework that is more continuous, that have maybe time frames, and it sounds way more complex for the framework itself to introduce it, right? So how do you think about that? Yes. Yeah, so the good news is most of the standards and frameworks don't expect you to be perfect. Okay. So when good. an auditor analyzes you, they actually see how you've been compliant over a period of time. And they want to actually see what you did when you did have non-compliance. So they, they look at, do you, do you track non-compliance as a risk? And how did you remediate it? And did you remediate it? Did you treat it as an exception? So auditors actually have that capability to evaluate you for non-compliance for short periods of time. The problem is in legal contracts, we don't do that. And that's the change that has to happen. Legal contracts, so for example, many legal contracts have uptime SLAs. Yep. Your SaaS service will be up 99% of the time or 99.5% of the time. And, and ways to but compensate. But they define how they measure that. And those ways, and ways to, to compensate. And that's ways right. to compensate and how you're fined if you're not addressing those numbers, mm -hmm. which I think this might be a good way for the legal departments to feel more in control is that if you break the contract, what are the, the contingencies? What are things that need to happen if you're not yeah. hitting those things versus what happens now? Because right now what you do is th there's this attestation process that somebody sends you a questionnaire, you answer the questionnaire, and somebody takes a look at it and says, that kind of looks maybe okay, and says, okay, we're good. And a lot of times it's also, think about it, it's, The questionnaires stand be between the business starting a process that they want to do. So right now doing the, secu the security questionnaire basically stands in the way of two people that want to start dating. So think of this as like your mom <laughs> making you do a security questionnaire before you go out on a date with somebody. No, that would be my yep. dad, yeah. if anything. Yeah. And then basically everybody says, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, 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 we swear we're going to do everything that the questionnaire says gone and yeah uh, and then nothing happens so tell us a little bit about companies that come to work with you is it typically early stage companies like dd's company like Oort that is sponsoring us how do you come about it how you help them what's kind of like because like i know uh, I, we've been through sock too it's it's a big 
undertaking for an early stage company. Yeah. Um, so or what's a late the stage company? Okay, I, I, I did it in Cisco. Trust me. Yeah. there's a division of people yeah. that do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We have two kinds of customers. Uh, one are companies that really don't want to do compliance at all. I asked Didi, Didi, do you want to do compliance? Didi looks at me like, like I'm an idiot, right? Why would I want to do compliance? I don't want to do compliance. But you have to do compliance, otherwise you can't drive sales. Yep. Especially yeah. There's the not a space. single startup that I've met. Yeah, there's not a single startup that I've met that wants to do compliance out of the goodness of their heart. Yep. So you help them They're doing make it, to it drive less, sales. less painful? Is that the thing? We do three things. So the approach we took because we got frustrated by the whole check the box activity. So the approach we took was, can we build a product that helps you earn the trust of your customers? So we don't call it compliance, we call it trust assurance. Mm. So the bar that we create is, can we put you in a position in which you're confident about achieving compliance in a way in which you're willing to be transparent about it? The the thing that you missed saying about DD's SOC 2 report is both the times that Oot got their SOC 2, they had no exceptions in yep. their SOC 2 report, which meant that the auditor looked at Oot and said, you've been doing all the things perfectly well the entire year. We're happy with it. There's no mm-hmm. exceptions. Yep. So the first thing we do is we put you in a position where you can have assurance with your compliance program. But the way we do assurance is we do programmatic verification. Yep. So a human doesn't have to be checking the work. The machine does the work for you. That's part one. And then part two is we use AI to take that data and respond to the security questionnaires. Because, again, you're doing compliance to drive sales. So how can you help the sales team by making it faster to showcase your compliance as part of a sales process? So that's our value proposition. Yep. So it's to visible companies. to people in sales to, to be able to go yes. show it? Yes. One of the cool things there is that they provide this nice cool browser plugin that if you are stuck with answering somebody else's security questionnaire the the plugin basically says stick answer here stick answer here stick answer here stick answer here which means that now I've done through the motion saves you time a lot of time and okay. it also saves me time because I'm able to delegate this to the SEs and the salespeople so basically right That's now right. I need to deal with maybe five questions out of a 200 secure 200 question security questionnaire versus That's right. dealing with the whole 200 because yeah. he, because uh, ev- everybody I, I can delegate this to an admin to answer most of these questions in, in an effective way that's right it's like the dream of yeah. SEs in early stage startups exactly there's I also another Sravish is also short <laughs> short selling the the amazing CS team that he has because one of the things is I've started with a lovely lady called Alana and now I'm working with Sarah both are <laughs> awesome and basically they wag their fingers at us occasionally when we stop looking at the system when we should. Because the system tells us a lot of things. But occasionally you need somebody to politely, gently say, you might want to consider doing this. Or how to leverage new features. Like some things you need to manually attest, but if a new feature comes along, you don't chase this because when you're an engineer such as myself, somebody points out and says, you know what? Now our Auth0 is fully automated. Done. Checkbox. We, we just got rid of another form we need to fill out. And having somebody in CS that is sensitive to our needs 
and understands what we care about and what we don't care about is really important. And to remind yeah. that the, the product is there and is becoming more valuable over time. So, so very yeah. kudos to building that team. Which Thank you. And, and Didi, I really appreciate the shout out to Alana and Sarah. They're, <laughs> they're exceptional human beings and they're yeah. absolutely fantastic. Yep. Always great to have great by the people way, I, on the team. By the way, I don't want to short uh, sell Satya either. I think we wouldn't got our sock too without her kind of her help with some of the program there as well. So Satya has the perfect name for her job because her name in Sanskrit and Hindi means truth. Okay. Oh. And it's the perfect name to have if you are in the assurance and compliance space because <laughs> you're all about the truth. The DD and Latal show will return in a moment. The DD and Latal show is sponsored by Ort. In today's world, identities are the perimeter protecting the organization and are the most exploited vector by attackers. If your security teams are struggling to maintain control of identity management tools, Ort can help. Ort offers a centralized platform for discovering, monitoring, assessing, and remediating identity threats to your business. While most security platforms can take weeks or months to start identifying and remediating risks, with ORT, your security teams can get started in as little as 30 minutes and start securing the identity perimeter immediately. ORT will surface the most critical vulnerabilities and give your security teams the recommended action steps. Start your trial today at ORT.io. That's O-O-R-T dot I-O. The DD and Latal show is sponsored by Hunters. Hunters helps your security team overcome data volume and complexity while significantly reducing false positives. Upwork uses Hunters SOC platform to remain threat focused. Because of Hunters, Upwork has been able to stop going through the daily repetitive task of looking at alerts and doing lengthy manual investigations. Learn more at hunters.ai. So tell us a little bit. A lot of us are struggling. Lital and I were talking in the car about how do you do the CS motion? How you, do you do the GTM space? Especially with a space, as we mentioned a little bit in the sidebar conversation, compliance is not ITDR. It's not threat detection that everybody says, oh, threats, hunting, da, 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 blow it's up. It's not exciting. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. you might be excited. Uh, sorry. They didn't mean to disparage the compliance area. Not at all. Not at all. I've I've been doing this for 20 years. This is my third startup. And I've had the privilege of selling software in a variety of vertical markets. And I can assure you that compliance is one of the more boring vertical markets. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so one of the approaches, and Lital, I think you'll appreciate this. One of the approaches we took before we even started building our team and building our strategy was we took a step back and said, how are we going to be different in this boring market? And we went and did a bunch of research on all of the various companies in this industry. Yeah. And they all they all looked the same. They they were blue in color. They had shields and spears in their marketing. And they use marketing jargon words like seamless and automation and all-in-one and end-to-end. Oh, my God. It's and like they all every the space in security has those jargon words. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I said, how are we going to be different? What's going to make us stand out? And so we intentionally 
came up with a phrase which we call joyfully crafted. Mm. And we defined joyfully crafted as having four pillars. The first pillar is everything we do, we're going to try to be meticulous. So do it as crisply as possible and don't do it anything more than that. Amazing. Number two, we said everything we do is going to be approachable because people don't understand compliance. So how can we take out the jargon words and make it easy to understand? Number three, we said everything we do has to be human. We have to be funny. We have to make DD feel anxious sometimes. We have to make Didi feel bad sometimes. We have to make him feel guilty sometimes. We have to make him feel happy sometimes. But everything we do has to be human. And finally, there it. should be a certain elegance about it. Can you bring elegance to this? Because it's so crass. This whole industry is fear of God. Like everybody wants to put the fear of God in you. <laughs> it's like you're listening to our podcast. <laughs> right? No, I, I love it. And so wow, said, the humanizing. Let's so let's good. be. Yeah, let's be joyfully crafted. So everything we do, whether it's marketing, whether it's people we hire for customer success, people we hire for support, how we design the product, everything we do has this joyfully crafted objective and we measure it and we try not to push things out or hire people or do things that are not joyfully crafted. So everything you'll see in our marketing tries to hit that bar. And so far... It's pretty good. It's pretty successful. This is like the Marie Kondo of compliance. Like, yeah. does it make you feel happy? happy? Yes. Uh, yes. No, <laughs> doing your compliance is <laughs> joyfully craft. I love it. It is so differentiated from everything I heard. In I have to say, even in B two B software, it's it's very differentiated. So, Kodus, I love it, and and I love the idea of. Human humanizing it, making uh, you feel angry or anxious or worried or, or make driving action. I guess that's what you want to do, right? Because if Didi looks at it, he, you want him to act if he is not in compliance with part of it. Uh, go down. So, how do you drive it in the product? I. I'm kind of like, I, I'm interested. I'm sure we have a lot of product people sure. um, listening and they're probably thinking, okay, is there a specific UI UX sticks that you put into it to drive those emotions? Really interesting. Yeah. So first of all, I'll say we, I don't think we do it perfectly yet because it's a, it's a long term it's a vision. to get it yeah. right. Sure. It's a vision. But so far, what we've done to enable that human interaction is to do three things so far. The first is, how do we make Didi proud, another human emotion, proud about sharing the security and privacy posture, both with the internal stakeholders, the board of directors, et cetera, mm -hmm. but also with the customers. So we try to showcase all of the positive things that have happened and tie it to business impact. So the first UX hack that we did was instead of Didi saying, I'm secure and I'm doing everything from a privacy standpoint correctly, how can we enable DD to say, my security and privacy program helped generate and support $5 million worth of revenue this quarter? Absolutely. That's the best. Yep. Yeah, I, I could see so it's this. a different value proposition. Oh, yeah. And like so many people in security would like to prove that the actions they're taking actually have impact and positive ROI. And it's so hard to prove. So if you can do it, wow, it's not just pride. You're driving business. Yeah. It's like... You're it, driving business. Yes. 
it's the best thing anyone in our business could do. Yes, that's right. And so the value proposition there for us, and to put it in just a few words, is to elevate GRC, governance, risk, and compliance, into a profit center from being a cost center. So that's sort of value proposition. Absolutely. So give pride Amen. to the GRC team, right? Amen. I am generating revenue. Yep. This is awesome. Right? This is that's awesome. That's number one. Number two is we say, okay, what is the op- what is the mirror image of that? The mirror image of that is move the conversation from being about risk or fear or something like that to trust. And the way we do that is we say, we are the custodians of trust in our organization. Sales and legal has gone and signed all these contracts and made all these commitments with our customers. We are protecting those commitments and we are ensuring that we are a trusted organization with our customers. So we are the custodians of trust. So we help you prove how much liability you're protecting against. That's number two. Cool. Yeah. And number three is we scare you. Yeah. <laughs> when you are in breach of liability. Yes. I, I, I we, like we, the, the, that kind of move between the good to <laughs> medium to risk in the UI part. Yes. It, it really helps people yes. focus the, in the dashboard to say, oh, and the, the kind of the, the red coloring in the back. It makes people be aware that something is not going the right way. Yeah. And the, the thing we're f- working on right now is now how do you federate that down to the individual employees? So, for example, if I came to you, Lital, and said, you need to take your security awareness training course next week, and you get that email, your shoulders are going to droop. You're going to feel sad. You're going to say, nope, I don't want to do security awareness training. I have a day job. No Unless it's an awesome that. security training. Yes. Uh, we had somebody uh, here before, Gabby from Wiser, yes. and they have fun security training. So if it's fun, maybe you that's don't feel it. Yes. That's another thing. Yeah. Yeah. We're trying to bring companies that if, bring joy to security joy, compliance. Yeah. So, yes. Amen. <laughs> I love it. But but if I came to you and said, Rital, I want you to take the security awareness training because this aligns with... $30 million of contractual commitments and it is required for us to drive sales and it's required for our SOC 2. And without the SOC 2, we have three deals in our pipeline that won't close if we don't do it. Now, if I can translate your activities to business impact. Absolutely. I'll then do you it. as a responsible employee will do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. It's not like, oh, I get this email from IT and HR and like, yeah, okay. It's like Friday afternoon, I'm going to do it <laughs> yes that is great I, I i have a feeling that with this approach we are actually can have compliance that is not just compliance but actually improves the security posture of an organization which is That's what right. the ideal compliance would be it's not going to be okay we're just okay doing we, we had an episode talking about doing the bare minimum the good enough yeah and yeah. neither of us want any organization to do the bare minimum yep. when it comes to that yeah. we understand sometimes yeah. many organizations they do the bare minimum but yeah i wonder if your approach can help organizations move from the bare minimum to actually being secure. really well secured being secured and and actually yeah. one of the things that they they do i i One of the things that I was telling my team when we were talking about the product was 
it helps you kind of adhere to your Atkins diet. Think of comp- a lot of these vegan yes. security programs being like in an Atkins diet. Everybody spikes in yes. and then spikes out, spikes in, Any spikes diet, out. Any diet, not just Atkins. Yes. Whatever diet. Exactly. But this one kind of makes sure that you have a program, that you actually know why you're doing this, of here are your end goals, here's where you want to be, here's your... So it's not just a new year resolution that you drop when Valentine's Day comes in? Exactly. Okay. <laughs> exactly. And then you come to measure your bathing suit in the summer and you say, oh, crap. <laughs> so, so you actually look great in summertime. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm past the looking great era, but you can still pull it off. I'm in compliance <laughs> with my routine. You're very much in compliance with your routine. <laughs> Consistency is a thing in life where we can have a yes. big conversations. I think in everything you do, it's, I think th- that is the thing people think. And, and I love going back to your point about the doctor, not looking just on your weight at a certain point in time, but rather monitoring it over time. Everything in life to have a change, a meaningful change, to have a progress It's about consistency and not the one-time thing. And I think this is the problem with a lot of those one-time efforts. I'm going to do something now. I'm going to connect my MFAs. I'm going to sign into Okta and then I'm okay. I'm in compliance with SOC 2. But you don't actually take care of ongoing monitoring it i'm learning right yes, and exactly. like i'm yeah. making sure over time you actually do the things you actually improve it's true for everything for dieting for sports for fitness for security yeah. there is no one of and i i think it's more like totally right. this you go and improve yeah. with like small steps that also go down I, I think that's the mentality i think that's not how everyone thinks about it and that's part of what we need to preach to ongoing improvements, right? Yep, exactly. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, in fact, speaking of health, we have all these infomercials on TV where people come and say, I'm going to help you lose six inches in two weeks and I'm going to lose 30 pounds in a month. And, and then you're like going to gain it back <laughs> faster than you that's right, lost. Right? Yeah. That's totally right. And, I, and I'm super frustrated in this industry when there are Silicon Valley companies and California-based companies that raise $100 million in capital, and they have all this pressure to grow. And companies like Vanta and Drata and others come and say, we're going to help you become SOC 2 compliant in two weeks. and We're going to be three weeks. And mm. that company said three weeks, and we're going to do four weeks. And I think that's just irresponsible marketing. I yes. think coming and saying that you're going to help somebody build a security posture and a privacy posture in two weeks or three weeks or four weeks, I think that's bad. Yep. I think that sets a bad precedent. Yep. Hmm. We, we're, in the industry. We're, we're struggling with this ourselves right now on the ORT side because we're thinking, how can yeah. we create an identity program that's similar to that motion? To create a, a continuous identity yeah. program to understand that the metrics that we're giving you is not just metrics. It's basically a path to being deliberate and making sure that you don't have an IT person still in your system six months after they're, they're gone. You don't have uh, half the sales team inviting their, their own Google accounts into their, their, their main accounts to kind of share documents with us. How to, how to educate people towards to be deliberate and continue to do this. Yep, our producer is giving us a hint. 
we have a game at the end of, at, at the end of the, the episode that uh, we'd like to play with our guests. Hopefully you're okay with that. I love it. Awesome. <laughs> Let's bring it on. I, I, I suspected you'd be okay. I, I, I... I don't know anything about this game, but I've just agreed to it. So let's go. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> and now Lital and Didi present Prove You're Not a Robot. Three final authenticating questions for our guest. Cool. So question number one, if you were a cybersecurity superhero, what would be your name and who would play you in the Hollywood or Bollywood Uh, movie that would follow. The reason I'm saying this is Vikram kind of educated us on the fact that he doesn't want a Hollywood movie. He wanted a Bollywood. True. True. I can tell you the name of the person who would play it. It's the the number one superstar in the whole world. The best movie actor ever. His name is Rajnikanth and he is a Indian movie actor. Okay. Cool. And... What was the second part of the question? What would be, what your, would be your superpower? What, what yeah. would be your superpower and what your super kind of, what would be your cybersecurity superhero name? Cybersecurity superhero name. That's a, never even thought of that in my life. <laughs> I think I'm going to stay on brand. Yep. And since in TrustCloud, we're building a trust assurance platform. I think it's going to be some version of trust. Trust something. And as I'm trying to think about this in real time, yeah. the only trust thing man. I can think about right now could <laughs> be trustee. 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 Or trustor. Love it. Yes. Trustor. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. cool. Do you have a favorite hacking, breach, horror story that anything that relates to, or in this case could be an audit related horror story of coming to something that is uh, challenging? Yeah, so two companies ago, this was this was about 10, 12 years ago, we had the privilege of doing business with, with a three-letter acronym organization yep. from the U.S. government. And this was right after when, when the war on terror started in the mid-2000s, and they were trying to do a lot of data encryption work to decode a lot of files that they were gathering from various uh, terrorist organizations and laptops and so on and so forth. So they were using the software we produced in that company to do a decryption of, of data. And they wanted to validate that our product was was secure because it was highly confidential information that was staying in our data. And so... It turns out, without telling us, they, they tried to hack our platform. And suddenly, we got an email from them saying, we're in your product, and we have access to all the data, and here's how we did it. And we just got really scared. Wow. And But the good news is they were pretty transparent about how they did it, and they were willing to sort of work with us on, on fixing it and uh, solving for it. But but the po- good news, bad news, bad news is they sort of got into our platform. The good news is they also told us all the various things they tried that they couldn't get our, into our platform with. But then they found this one breach. And it was a pretty cordial conversation, but we were very, very tensed for <laughs> that period of time. And there was a seven-figure deal that was in line because of that issue. That, that, that is scary. And also, sometimes we need to understand that the government has resources that most hackers will not they do. invest that's right. To do these things, including the, the ability to hire people that other people can't. And yep. being meticulous about really reviewing any line of code and like finding yeah. those things that's yeah. hard to yeah. do. Yeah, absolutely. 
The last question is, what was your first computer? The reason I'm asking that one is because I think uh, I've met Srabish in person, and I think you, you and I are more or less the same age, and it, that, that's a question that I always like to ask people of our kind of age bracket. So Atari was one of the first sort of video game <laughs> consoles that I had. And What did you play on Atari? You remember? I started with Pac-Man. Pac-Man okay. was the first game. I Pac-Man, and then we had like ping pong and... It's just all the basic games like back in the day. And the name escapes me, but cool. it was a it was a computer console that sort of came with the video game station. Like that was the first one I had. And I and I did basic programming on it. And and then I ended up getting I think when the Pentium one eight six came it? out, we got one of those and that's what we started working on after that. Awesome. Awesome. That's rubbish. Oh co- uh, producer Dave, you wanted Was to- it the Commodore sixty four? It's Commodore 64. That's the one. That was it. <laughs> yep. we, we're all old enough to know yeah. what it is. Yes, oh. yes. I, I had the VIC-20, which was the predecessor for the 64. This shows, again, my... Aging ourselves. Aging ourselves. Absolutely. And I'll, and I'll tell you another yep. quick part of that. Yes. I, I came to... Th- I, you know, I came to the U.S. as a 17-year-old kid to start my undergrad in math and computer science. And I got admitted into a math and computer science program. And I got my first email and internet connection after I came to the US. So until then, I did not have network connectivity. And it just blew my mind that you could type something on a computer and get access to a whole bunch of information. That ILC wasn't physically channels and all this, yes. It's crazy. <laughs> that, that was me in 93 when, when, I first, when I first installed the TCP IP package. Yeah, uh, I mean. From our area. Chatting with people on yeah. ILC messages. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, that was mind-blowing. I remember that as well. Awesome. Well, thank you for being on the show. It was. Thank I'm you. sure people can find you on LinkedIn and uh, find you online. If you're looking for better compliance program, check, please. Thanks for listening for the Didi and Vital Show. We're here weekly. Rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. Please, if you want to be on the show, reach out to Didi or myself. Thanks, Didi. Thanks, Lito. Thanks, Ravish. Thank Thank you. Thanks for coming. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye. Have a wonderful day and a week.